Just as, uh, as that's been sorted out, can I just say once again, it's uh, a real privilege to be with you uh, this morning. And uh, it's been a real encouragement to me as I've moved to Yorkshire to see a real partnership uh, between churches united in the gospel, uh, seeking to encourage one another and work together. It's been great to go to some of the pastors' meetings. And uh, Chris and Caroline have encouraged our family uh, immensely and welcomed us uh, into uh, the area. So thank you for that. Caroline, and uh, I'm thankful to Chris for our meetups as well. Um, they've been a, a real blessing. Let me lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come to your word, we ask that we might uh, marvel at the wonder of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Please open our eyes and help us to know more of his greatness. In his name uh, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in your uh, own time, I'd encourage you uh, really to, to spend some time uh, taking it slow through this passage. Um, it's one of my favourite passages. Um, Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 to 23. There's so much uh, richness in the passage, and there's so much um, that we can learn. Uh, we only have time to look at the, the first two verses for that reason uh, this morning in detail. Um, because these verses are just packed with so much. Um, we're looking this morning and thinking about the fact that Jesus is the greatest. It's wonderful to be able to, to say that together this morning, to proclaim that, that Jesus is the greatest. Now, if I click this correctly, and I'm assuming it's along to the right. Here we are. Uh, we have uh, a picture of somebody exploring an ocean. And the interesting thing about our oceans in the world is that uh, at least 80% of them remain unexplored. Uh, some people take a, a view that there's a, a much higher percentage, even up to 90% of our oceans remain uh, unexplored. That's amazing when we think about it, isn't it? So much of our oceans are unexplored. We haven't reached anywhere near the depths of discovery. And all that is yet to be discovered might tell us so much about the world in which uh, we live. Well, when it comes to the, the wonder and the majesty of Jesus Christ, that there is so much that there is still a, a mystery to us, so much yet to be explored, so much that we uh, won't know about him until we meet him uh, face to face, and what a glorious day that will be. But what is revealed to us uh, in God's word uh, is truly breathtaking, it's, it's mind-boggling. And it spurs us on to get to know Jesus uh, more and more. To explore the depths of who he is and all that he's done. And so I hope that this short time this morning in, in Colossians chapter 1 uh, spurs you on to do just that. To explore more of the greatness of Jesus. Well, we've had um, uh, 15 to 23 of chapter 1 uh, read for us. This is the, in the NIV, but I just wanted to read... Uh, those two verses again that we're focusing on this morning. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. In uh, ESV, I can see here the, uh, the heading section 
the title of the section is The Preeminence of Christ. Uh, in the NIV, it's the supremacy of the Son of God. Uh, central to the Christian faith is the truth that Jesus isn't merely uh, just a good person. He isn't even just great, but that he is the greatest. The greatest person that anybody uh, could ever uh, get to know. Where have we heard this word uh, supreme before? Well, it's used, I think, in such a weak way in our culture uh, today. I mean, it's used to describe burgers. I mean, that's a pretty weak way of using this word supreme, isn't it? Burger King famously had uh, the chicken supreme, meaning that, that there's no uh, chicken burger that is better than the chicken supreme. And uh, other fast food restaurants are available and the public may well disagree with that claim uh, from Burger King, that the chicken supreme is the greatest chicken burger uh, ever. Another example is in the more recent Star Wars films. Uh, I've lost track now because there's so many and there's a spin-off series. Um, but in the Star Wars films, um, there's a, a person, a character called Supreme Leader Snoke. He's a bit of a weird, creepy character, if you've seen the, the film. Um, but, but he's the supreme leader because he's highest in command. Nobody comes above him. And that's what that word means. He's the highest in rank. And it's not just in fiction, is it, that we hear about supreme uh, leaders. We hear of supreme leaders uh, around the world ruling with an iron fist. Nobody comes above them in that particular uh, place. No one dare question their authority. But sadly, many of those leaders prove their wickedness in the way in which they treat those who come under them and fail to lead justly and look after their people. And what about in popular culture? Lots of people have made claims to be number one, haven't they? Lots of people. Uh, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, famously said, I am the greatest. And perhaps for a very short time, in a very specific place in the field of boxing, he was. But he wasn't for the many years prior to his arrival. And he hasn't been since. He isn't now. Lots of people have and do make all kinds of claims about how great they are that aren't backed up. But Jesus' claim to supremacy in his word is backed up with action, as we'll see as we come to our passage this morning. When it comes to the supremacy of the Son of God, that is Jesus Christ, nobody has ever been and will ever be uh, greater. The word supreme, as we've seen here, uh, is also translated preeminent, highest in rank, first in status, none before. That's what these things mean. And the Bible tells us and shows us that Jesus is the greatest, full stop. As the Americans say, period. There is no contention. And let's see why. I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, so often we can have a very small view of Jesus. We can box him up. We can hear uh, rumours and we can hear things that other people have said about him. And that can shape our view. We can see him on the television. We can see him uh, portrayed in all kinds of different ways. But we need to come 
to the primary source, the only source, God's word, that tells us exactly who he is. In this section of uh, Colossians, uh, you'll notice that there's a repetition of the word him. This is all about Jesus. And we also see the word all repeated. Jesus isn't just the the greatest in, in one particular area, but over all things. And that goes right down uh, in this section, 15 to 23. And in writing the letter to the church in uh, Colossae, the Apostle Paul is encouraging and reminding them as, as relatively new Christians that Jesus is all that they need. No Jesus plus this or plus that. No Jesus uh, minus this or minus that. Just Jesus Christ alone. He is sufficient for all of life and for our salvation because he is supreme. And the same is true for us today. May you be encouraged that we need Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. So as we look at uh, verse 15, we can say that if you want to get to know God, then get to know Jesus. If you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. We read that the Son is the image of the invisible God. The New Living Translation puts it this way. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus reveals God to us. Now, I was uh, doing some research recently, and if you have a, a big birthday coming up, or you've got a friend or a family member who has a big birthday coming up, then you might want to think about hiring a celebrity lookalike. Recently had on a, a look on a website, and there were um, celebrities of uh, lookalikes available to hire uh, only for the small sum of £700. You could have Her Majesty the Queen, uh, David Beckham, John Cleese, and many more uh, besides. Some of them look really good. They're really uh, convincing. Uh, but they're not the real thing. You have to remember, they're only a lookalike. Their accents or their mannerisms or ultimately their passports will give them away. Well, friends, when it comes to Jesus, he is not uh, like God, but he is God. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. The God of, of perfect relationship. And Jesus reveals God to us. He shows us what God is like. There's that famous hymn, isn't there? Immortal, invisible, God only wise. Jesus visibly reveals to us the invisible God. And he shows us exactly what he's like. Do you remember the the beginning of the Bible in Genesis? Uh, We're told that human beings are created in the image of God. We bear his, his mark on us, his fingerprints, his dignity, his value is in every human being. But Jesus isn't in the image of God. He is the image of God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And that's an amazing thing. When we think about the God of the Bible, the God who created the universe, that he doesn't make it hard for us 
to get to know him. He's not waiting up in heaven as if somehow, uh, by our own strength or effort, we can reach him. No. As we celebrate at Christmas time, and particularly as we think about Advent, we think and remember about the fact that God uh, came down to us in the person of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. God made flesh. In order that we might get to know him. Isn't that wonderful when we think about that truth? That God wasn't just waiting for us to somehow reach him, but he came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ, also known as Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus reveals God to us, his character, his heart, his love, his compassion. And Jesus himself said, as recorded in John 14, 9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. All of God is on display for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So we can't say, as some people do, oh, well, I can't see God, so how can I know that he's real? Why can't we say that? Because he came down to us. God showed up the image of the invisible God. Is Jesus. And did you notice? Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean that Jesus was uh, created, as some cults mistakenly believe. This is speaking about a position of authority. And we see uh, from the wider passage that rather than being created, he is in fact the creator. Isn't that amazing? The firstborn, as many of you will know, at the the time this letter was written, uh, the firstborn inherited. Jesus owns everything in the universe. It's his. But it's not just that he happens to inherit at some point in the future. It's his now. He owns everything. I love this quote from, uh, and you may well have heard this, but I I just love this quote from a former uh, Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Abraham Kuyper. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, the sovereign of all, does not cry, mine. Isn't that amazing? Not a square inch over which Jesus does not cry, mine. It's speaking here of rank. Jesus is number one. Everything uh, belongs to him. However much uh, I fail to achieve in life, or do achieve in life. It doesn't matter. Jesus is number one. However much a a king or a queen or a ruler seeks to domineer and and control, or maybe you've had a really difficult boss, it doesn't matter. Jesus is still number one. That doesn't impact it. Whatever happens in this world that seems completely chaotic, Jesus is still number one. Jesus is over all of creation, but he's above it. There were some heresies and some uh, false beliefs kicking around at the time um, that would have impacted the church in Colossae. And that was uh, a real focus on angels, these heavenly beings. And Paul is emphasising that Jesus is far more special than angels. 
God in his word uh, via Paul here emphatically says Jesus is first. He is supreme. He's firstborn. He's the greatest. No created being can ever equal him. Well, I wonder this morning, as we reflect and think, what things or people compete with Jesus for number one spot in your life? If we know and love him, then there shouldn't be anything, should there, right? We know that. There shouldn't be anyone or anything that comes near to Jesus. Jesus is number one. He's the greatest. But over time, our priorities can slip, can't we? Our vision can haze. And if we're honest, the the person that competes uh, with Jesus in our life the most isn't someone out there, but it's someone here. That's the reality of my life, that it isn't necessarily something going on out there, but it's something in here. Jesus was and is and always will be eternally God. Whatever happens, however much uh, we mess up, however much we... Uh, feel like we're letting him down. However many people uh, disown him or persecute Christians, Jesus would always be number one. What a great encouragement that is to take into a new week as we're reminded of Jesus. And then as we look at uh, verse 16, we see that everything is about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. I don't know what events... uh, you used to look forward to at school, uh, at school sports day. Aside from home time, um, I quite enjoyed the relay race. Did anyone else enjoy the relay race? No. <laughs> what were your favourite sports at sports day? Shout out for that. 100 metres, anyone? Yeah? 200 metres? Javelin? Three-legged race. Three-legged race, yeah. <laughs> that was a great one, wasn't it? Um, I think I enjoyed the team aspect of the relay. That was quite what I enjoyed. So um, if I didn't t- do too well, it wasn't just my fault. It was, okay. <laughs> there was uh, four of us. Um, but growing up in Sunday school, I think I used to have this uh, wrong view, this wrong picture of the Trinity, the triune nature of God. And it went something like this. Uh, God the Father created the world, Uh, humanity sinned, and so God the Father uh, handed the relay baton on to God the Son, Jesus. And he came into the world and he put everything right again, and then after he ascended he handed on the relay baton uh, to God the Holy Spirit who finishes the work. Now there's there's a lot of truth in some of what I've just said, but we have to be careful, because it's not the biblical picture of God in three equal persons, because we see all three persons involved in creation, in the creation of the world. And we see all three persons involved in redemption, each playing different roles. Now, how exactly uh, everything plays out uh, is a holy mystery to us, and it should be, because there are things that we're not meant to know. But God is great at logistics. We can leave him Uh, to work out uh, the logistics of life. But what is clear is that Jesus is God and he takes centre stage. And we're told and we're meant to to focus our wonder and our worship on Jesus because he is the greatest. 
God the Father, God the Son, uh, had two very distinct roles in creation, yet worked together to bring about the universe into being. Don't know about you, but when I start to think about these things, my mind uh, starts to get a bit overwhelmed when we think about uh, the how. I was watching, um, there's a documentary on the iPlayer at the moment, um, uh, about the universe, and uh, I won't go into all the details of it because um, I'm sure there's much we disagree with and there's much we could debate about, but the thing that really struck me is the number of times Brian Cox, who was presenting it, uh, spoke of creation and all this being created, and it just points back to the wonder of God, God in three persons, bringing about the world into being. Well, when we think about everything being about Jesus, first we see that everything was created by Jesus. As a teenager, when I first heard this, when I came across this, I was a little confused. But then as I thought and meditated on the scriptures and and spoke to other Christians about it, my mind was blown. Jesus was far bigger, far greater than the small view that I'd had of him. Did you know that all things were created? Through Jesus. Paul says, for in him all things were created. And he could have stopped there, but he goes on uh, to list some things. He says things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. That's the things that we can see all around us uh, here today. But there's also a real spiritual world, a spiritual realm that we can't see. And Jesus created uh, that world. Remember earlier I mentioned the angels and heresies surrounding them. Jesus created them. They're part of that spiritual uh, realm. The invisible. And whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, the only reason that people have uh, those positions of authority is because ultimately Jesus has given them uh, to them. We might not agree with what some people are doing today with their power and authority. But Jesus is number one. He's in control. And he's given authority. A couple of verses to help us reflect on uh, Jesus in this sense. John says in his gospel, uh, speaking of Jesus as the word of God, all things were made through him. That's Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. And then in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, Paul says, There is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came, and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom all things came, and for whom we live. Amazing, when we think about it. So there's no doubt that the Bible's uh, clear message is that Jesus created everything. But then, if your mind isn't blown enough, we see that all things have been created uh, for him. In other words, everything is for his glory. Everything exists for the glory of Jesus. Maybe that's the first time you've heard that uh, this morning. Maybe you've heard that many times before. But the first time you hear that, you might feel a little awkward. As you work it through in your mind, 
uh, you think about your own place in the world, and you think about the fact that well, if it's all about Jesus, then what about me? How do I fit in? And, and, and then hopefully it clicks, yeah, the universe doesn't revolve around me. It's not even chiefly uh, about human beings, it's about God, the one who created us. The one who created uh, more than just uh, all the stars and the planets, but everything. All things are for Jesus. Does that make us resent him? Does that make us jealous? Does that make us hard in our hearts? Or does that make us fall on our knees and surrender to him and say, yes, Jesus? It's all about you. It's never been about me. It's all about you and your glory. Everything points to your splendor, your magnificence, your supremacy. And yet, I think the most mind-boggling thing of all is that Jesus wants to share his glory with us. Everything is about Jesus. And yet he wants to share his glory with us. Any mere human being who makes a claim to be the greatest comes across as arrogant, right? Why is that? Well, because we're flawed. We're, uh, we have weaknesses. We're temporary. And the one making that claim cannot ultimately back up their claim. But God would not be true to his word if he didn't show us the greatness of Jesus because it is the truth. He is the truth. He is the supreme uh, Lord of all. And everything points in his direction. But despite everything being rightly about Jesus, he loves us deeply. And he wants to get to know us. He wants us to enter into his kingdom under his authority. To reflect his, his light and his love in our lives. He wants to share his splendour his authority and his rule with us. Despite all of our weaknesses, all of our sin and all of our shame, the creator of the cosmos came down to rescue us from sin, death and eternal separation from God. Consider the heart of the gospel as one uh, songwriter puts it, hands that flung stars into space by cruel nails surrendered. Friends, we must never forget this, that it was our creator, the creator of all, the one who is the greatest, who came to bleed and to die on that cross for us, so that we might know peace and forgiveness and eternal security, and that we might come to know God and live the life that he intended that we live in all its fullness in Christ. His death on that cross was the most a visible demonstration of God's love so that we might come to know the invisible God in a personal way. The passage, as you read on later, uh, goes on to say that Christ's death enables us to be reconciled with God and that all those who trust in him are presented holy in God's sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Now Jesus is the greatest and he is the greatest person that we could ever get to know. 
Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you seeking to live your life for him? I'm just going to put up a slide with some questions to reflect on. And then uh, I'll introduce the, the closing. Just take a couple of minutes to just reflect on this. <laughs>